the change. A drilling in a rage, I may never change. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is a Wednesday edition of the show. We are in prime time at 7 p.m., and I'm your host, Matt Matera. I am going solo for tonight's show, changing things up just a little bit. And speaking of changing things up, there's been a lot of quarterback conversation lately and rightfully so with the signing of baker mayfield and the big quarterback competition that's coming up for the buccaneers come the summertime in training camp but there's a lot of other topics that we got to get to by the time the draft gets around in late april's coming up man almost a uh almost a month from now i think a month and a week from now we will be live from the bucks facility for the nfl draft very exciting for that but today since you heard us talk so much about the quarterback situation, uh, one thing that's really going to help the Bucks this year is the run game. It was terrible last year. There's no sugarcoating that. But if Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask, whoever wins the job, they're going to succeed this season under Todd Bowles and new offensive coordinator Dave Canales. They are going to need a much better run game. So we're going to talk about Rashad White the rest of the running back room. And this obviously affects the offensive line as well. And that's why Tristan Wirfs is uh, on the silhouette of this picture for the intro of the show. I mean, we're going to talk a lot about the offensive line, um, how that's going to look this season, because Rashad White ain't going anywhere if uh, the rest of the offensive line in front of him uh, isn't blocking. We'll talk about some draft prospects as well at offensive tackle, because that's the biggest position of need on the offensive line at the moment. So a lot of exciting stuff to get into one more time. I am your host, Matt Matera from pewterreport.com for the show tonight. Hello, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining me on today's show. We're going to get to a lot of questions as well. If you have questions about the draft, the Bucks running back room, really anything, I'm happy to get into it. Want to give a shout out to everybody in, uh, in the chats right now, I see Al Bundy in there. I see Wayne, a couple people before the show even started. Tom's always at the beginning saying, go Bucks." Football fan says, hello, everyone. Let's go with the running game. Wayne saying, hey. Tom saying, I don't mind Darnell. Talking about Darnell right in the first round. I just wish we could trade down a little bit for him. So, um, a lot of topics to get into on tonight's show. Of course, we can't talk about the Pewter Report podcast without mentioning Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast, a variety of flavors. And they have some new ones. The Fantasy Vibe, that tastes like a creamsicle, and we know Bucks fans like creamsicle. And the Sparkling Lemon Lime, it's almost like having a Sprite, but uh, even better for you. So uh, make sure you check it out. Seven Essential Vitamins. No crash, no uh, post-energy drink bitters that you might get from uh, so from some other products out there. So if you want to try out Celsius Energy Drinks, um, go to the store locator. Check out what uh, bodega you can go to near you and pick one up. A uh, ton of awesome different flavors. Check out Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Let's get to a couple more comments as they start trickling in, Shaggy says, what's good, pewter people? Pete says, go Bucks." And Wayne wants the Buccaneers, uh, he says, offensive tackle or trade down to the second round for multiple picks. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the draft in, um, we'll get to the draft in just a moment. We'll, we'll start with the running back room, kind of dip all over the place. I'm happy to go in and out of topics. Um, whatever the case may be. Uh, Richard says, Celsius helped me get through two back-to-back NHL games here in LA with my favorite hockey team in town. That's awesome, Richard. Hope you have a great time watching the game. Who's your favorite hockey team? Um, I'm not sure if it's the Lightning or the fact that you're in LA if um, if it's a, a different team that's visiting. Um, Derek says, I wouldn't mind having an extra second or early third rounder. Football fan says Bucks cannot trade down every year. Yeah, so the Bucks have traded back a lot. Obviously, last year they um, infamously 
traded out of the first round and were able to acquire more picks and they end up going with Logan Hall with the first overall pick in the second round. Um, Jason Light typically does like to trade back more often than trading up. He did trade up one spot in order to get uh, Tristan Wirfs, and that was a good idea. Uh, Pete says, offensive line, running back, cornerback, linebacker, um, definitely all positions. I shouldn't say definitely all. Uh, offensive line, clearly position of need. Nickel corner, I agree with. Depth at linebacker, I agree with. Running back, they are pretty set overall. I think they could add one more into the mix. Um, but at the end of the day, when you have Rashad White as your number one guy, I think you have to feel pretty good about that. Tom, I see your comment as well. I appreciate it. I'm not going to put it up on the... Uh, on the screen at the moment, I'm not trying to diss other podcasts out there, but I, I appreciate I appreciate the kind things you're saying about me personally. So shout out to you, Tom. Thanks for that one. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Bucks offense, and specifically, I know that's Todd Bowles right there, but you know he's going to oversee everything. Specifically, the offense that is going to be run by the one and only Dave Canales this season. Um, for those that maybe somehow missed it, the Bucs hired Dave Canales as their offensive coordinator. He spent over a decade with the Seattle Seahawks, uh, primarily as a quarterback's coach. He was also a wide receiver's coach as well. The cool thing about Canales, while obviously he learned a lot from Cat, um, who's the head coach in Seattle for a, a very long time, they brought in a couple of different offensive coordinators through the years. So um, he has some experience working in the Andy Reid offense system. Other coaches that have worked for Andy Reid. They have uh, some experience with Sean McVay's system with the LA Rams, where Baker Mayfield played last season. And um, so he's bringing in a, a lot of different stuff for this season. It's not going to be hopefully anything like you saw last year. And I think a, a really important thing is the fact that um, the Seahawks, who he was previously, previously with, they always had a solid running team. Were they always top five? No, not necessarily. But what they really excelled in was the fact that they, it was all about the yards per attempt. Um, you know, you may not always have a 150 rushing yard game, but if you're getting off the ball, if you're getting quality runs every single time, I think that's really important. So with Canales, what you're really going to see more than anything else is a lot more motion up at the line of scrimmage. You're going to see a lot more play action. That was something that the Bucs did not really take advantage of at any time with Byron Leftwich. And even as with Tom Brady as your quarterback, like the Bucs were the best in the league in execution of play action, and yet they just did not go to enough. So play action helping the run game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what you're going to see is because you're going to see them throw more on first down, that's going to help the run game when you're running in, you know, second and five or second and two when teams aren't expecting it as much or where you, you have a luxury. Uh, that's going to help a long way. I think what's really important is, the, again, with – Canales' connections over on the West Coast, coaching the Seahawks, but learning a little bit from the, the the Rams type of offense. With the motion at the line of scrimmage, you're going to see more zone blocking. The Bucks used to really just have a straight-up, head-to-head type of blocking, hat-on-hat type of thing. With Dave Canales as the offensive coordinator, you're going to see a lot more zone runs. That's going to allow a lot of creativity. You're going to see counters. You're going to see motion. You're going to see offensive lineman pull. You're going to see them go to the outside as well. How many times did we clamor for the Bucs to go to the outside? You have some talented guys, not the team more, but clearly Rashad White was the quicker of the two. And Rashad White did his thing in the middle, but he could really hit the outside as well. So that's really important to harp on for everybody is we didn't see everything that Rashad White really has to offer and that's what really excites me the most when it comes to the running game for next season as much as I enjoyed you know Leonard Fournette 
And maybe Leonard was more of a Tom Brady and Bruce Arians guy than a than a Todd Bowles type of guy. I got to give a shout out to Todd Bowles wearing the uh, Bucko Bruce garb when he was in uh, Indianapolis for the Combine. But it's clear that this is Rashad White's job right now. Um, you know, last season, he got eight starts, played in 17 games. He rushed 129 times for 481 yards and one rushing touchdown. As a receiver, he got 50 receptions, caught 50 of 58 targets, 290 receiving yards, um, two, touch, two receiving touchdowns. So I think what's important with Rashad White is that he got better – as season on like let's remember starting out it was all leonard fournette and then rashad white everyone remembers the infamous uh germany game against the seattle seahawks where he really uh burst onto the scene for the tampa bay buccaneers i mean you don't want to look at the box score too much but the game against seattle before that so the first nine weeks leading up to that the first nine games rashad white had rushing games of 14 yards, 1 yard, 0 yards, 6, 14, 12, 24, 19, and 27. The most attempts he had in a game was 8, and that's the week before against the L.A. Rams. Um, before that, 6 attempts, 2 attempts. Didn't even get an attempt in the game uh, against the Packers. Um, 3, 5, 4, 6 attempts. So he was just not even getting opportunities. Then you look at the Seattle game, 22 attempts, 105 yards, got the angry run. Everybody loves seeing that from Rashad White, you know. And then uh, you, you go from there. There were still complaints that he wasn't getting the ball enough. Even Todd Bowles said we have to get Rashad White involved more. You look at uh, the following week, he got 14 attempts for 64 yards. It's still four and a half yards per attempt. You run that three times, you end up getting a first down. Then his numbers dipped down again against New Orleans, nine times for 28 yards, nothing there. 13 attempts for 56 yards and a blowout loss to the San Francisco 49ers. 11 attempts for 38 yards, seven attempts for 36, 11 for 22, and then uh, four for 15. Then you go to the playoff game, he had seven attempts for 41 rushing yards. So <clears throat> the potential is there for Rashad White. It's just really a matter of, can he get enough volume? Because you look at his stats and you say, ah, that's that's not really that exciting. Go draft B. John Robinson. I know some people are saying that. A lot of people outside of the Tampa Bay community, for sure. I just personally feel, and I'm going to say this again for everybody, you give Rashad White the football, and he's going to do good things. Dave Canales spoke a lot about how Rashad White is a violent runner, and that's what he really likes in his running backs in general, having a violent type of runner. And I think Rashad White, the type of type of runner that he is, you know, he he he'll give you the nasty stiff arm that one of the ang run. He'll he'll knock you down, but he's also smooth. He's swapped. He can break tackles. I think he's going to do a lot of uh, exciting things this offense. Just let him be. Don't try to crowd the running back. You obviously need depth, okay? I'm not blind to that fact. You obviously need depth. But that's why I don't love the idea of Ezekiel Elliott coming to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I'll get to the Zeke conversation in just a moment. Uh, I want to get to a couple more comments, though. Not going to ignore you guys. Richard is a Calgary Flames fan, so we found out that answer. Um Christopher, unfortunately, says that he's going to be working at the draft. Sorry about that, Chris, but appreciate you always being on the, the Peter Report podcast. Um, let's see. Pete says, uh, what happens if Richardson is on the board? Do we take him? Not at 19. Uh, we actually had an article today about Will Levis, but I feel like it uh, stays the same for Richardson as well. Excuse me one second. Got some ice in there. I understand the potential and the upside when it comes to Anthony Richardson. He's athletic. He's mobile. He's built like Cam Newton, who ironically is trying to make a comeback in the league now. Um, I just, I don't love the inaccuracy. And it's the same point that I said yesterday, but it's important to reiterate for 
uh, for today's show. If the Bucs decide to draft a quarterback within the first three rounds, they are saying that they don't really trust Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield to get the job done. And if they end up drafting their quarterback for the future, that means Todd Bowles will not be there as a coach next season unless he already has a plan in place with the Glazer family. The Bucs cannot risk having a bad season next year. Now, what is a good and what is a bad season? The NFC South is very much wide open. I think we have to take with a grain of salt. This is a different team without Tom Brady, and there's going to be growing pains with Dave Canales in and a new quarterback. So for me, a good season for the Bucs, you have to get to at least seven or eight wins. and You have to be trending in the right direction by the end of the season. Maybe you're still in the playoff hunt by, you know, week 16. You got to stay at least in the NFC South playoff contention for a majority of the year. I'm not saying the Bucs have to make it to the NFC Championship game or get back to the Super Bowl. You have to trend in the right direction and start rebuilding that foundation with this team because this Bucs team is still in win-now mode. They're, you cannot tell me that they're talented, that their roster isn't talented enough to compete with really anybody in this league. They have to figure out the quarterback position. They have to figure out the offense, but you can't tell me that there's not enough talent for this team to at least make the postseason. Frank G says, I want to see more screenplays. I'm not sure if you're being uh, sarcastic here because obviously Steve uh, screenplays did not work at all for the Bucks last season, but I just, I don't think they executed the screenplays right, the, the right way. It was just, all right, we're going to throw the Chris Godwin and Chris is going to have to break five tackles. There was no like blocking setup. There was no, hey, we're going to play action to the right and we're going to throw it in the other direction. There, there, there was not good design screenplays. Uh, and they could not get it to the running back either when it came to that. So um, definitely don't need that going on. Brian Gomez says, I'm all in on the trash train, but I find myself becoming more and more excited about the possibilities with Baker Mayfield. What I do like when it comes to Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield and this overall quarterback competition that is coming up is the fact that Trask and Baker are like two pretty different quarterbacks, not only skill wise, but with their personalities as well. You know, Kyle Trask is a little more towards the reserve side and there's nothing wrong with that. He's not exactly a rah-rah type of guy. He's more of a precision passer. Um, not exactly mobile, but he can, he can move around. Like he's clearly more mobile than Tom Brady. He can get some rushing yards, but it's not, he's not a dual threat quarterback by any means. He's going to be a little bit more accurate, maybe not necessarily take the deep shots, but he's going to be much safer with the football compared to uh, the new guy in town for the Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield. Baker is a little more mobile. He likes to move around in the pocket, escape from uh, the big defensive linemen that are, that are chasing after him. He's got a much stronger arm. He's not afraid to sling it down the field. Scott Reynolds was talking yesterday about how Baker, in a cocky way, one game it was supposed to be a Hail Mary. He just chucked it out of bounds so he can show that he can throw it about 70 yards. So um, different as a player, obviously as a personality, a little more fiery, more in-your-face type of leader. I think that's kind of what Tampa Bay needs coming into this season. One thing that Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield do have in common is um, going through playing adversity. By that, what I mean is Kyle Trask was a player that um, had some time in high school, but then wasn't a starter anymore, wasn't like crazy recruited, ends up going to Florida. And then he's on the bench for the first couple of years of his career. He finally gets an opportunity his senior season and makes the most of it, had a great year, was a uh, finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Baker, we've been talking a lot about it. I think a lot more people know about his story. Um, was even less recruited out of high school than probably Kyle Trask was. Um, ends up going as a walk-on to Oklahoma, eventually earns his way, uh, crushed it with Oklahoma his last year, wins the Heisman Trophy and becomes – 
a number one overall pick by the Cleveland Browns in 2018. So obviously they're going to be competing and fighting against each other in, in training camp, respectfully fighting against each other. They haven't exactly walked in each other's shoes, but they, in an interesting way, have walked kind of along the, the same route to get to at least the NFL, obviously different standards of when they got drafted. But I, there is some common ground there with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. A lot of differences between them, but uh, definitely similarities as well. I think more than most people realize. Uh, let's get to a couple more comments. Then uh, I want to get back to discussion about the running game and specifically um, Ezekiel Elliott, because there's been a lot more chatter about that. Emily says, hi, Matt. Hey, everyone. Whoever ends up at quarterback, I'm excited to see a different offense. I am absolutely with you, Emily, on that one. I just want to see something different this year. Um, Pete says no Zeke. Pete also mentioned that um, Ronald Jones is in Dallas. Yeah, congrats to Ronald Jones. You know, uh, was on a winning team last year. He's from Texas, so uh, it would be cool for him to um, go to his home state next year. Wayne says Rashad White should be much better this year. I agree with that. I think you just give him free reign. Let him be the guy. Let Todd Bowles be uh, running. Let Rashad, let Todd Bowles allow Rashad White to be RB1 and um, should be good to go. Emily also says we have the talent, even with players leaving. More excited about the new plays and different mindset on offense. Yeah, so let's get to this Baker Mayfield conversation. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he's up on the screen right now. Let's get to this Ezekiel Elliott conversation because Zeke is a free agent. He got released by the Dallas Cowboys. They're moving on with uh, Tony Pollard, who got injured. So I'm not saying they're making the wrong decision by letting go of Zeke, but it, I'm not exactly sure if Tony's going to be ready by the start of um next season so understandably there's been a lot of chatter about ezekiel elliott coming to the tampa bay buccaneers skip pete the new running backs coach was uh coaching zeke in dallas at least last season the bucks needed another running back um, they added that with Chase Edmonds. So right now the running back room is Rashad White, it's Chase Edmonds, and it's Keyshawn Vaughn. I really, really would advise against the Bucs taking Ezekiel Elliott. Do I still think Zeke has a little something left and can play in this league? Yeah, I do. I'm going to give Zeke the benefit of the doubt that if he comes in to any team, I'm not saying specifically the Bucs, he goes to any team with that chip on the shoulder, kind of like how Baker Mayfield is going to be this season, and he wants to prove people wrong. I have no doubts that he can be a serviceable running back in the way that Leonard Fournette was when he got cut by the Jaguars, comes to the Bucs and, you know, had his shine over the past couple of seasons. But I don't know what the price for Ezekiel Elliott is going to be, but all I know is the Bucs, who are currently about 600 less than like a million dollars, over the salary cap right now, who need to create more salary cap room to re-sign a lot of different people, I do not think a running back should be the one. I mean, I don't know if Zeke wants $3 million, $4 million, if he can get that on the open market. The Bucks were about to pay Leonard Fournette $7 million. Ezekiel Elliott is not worth that money, especially when the Bucs are salary cap strapped at the moment. All right. They don't have all this money laying around with this luxury of, hey, let's really build out the running back room and bring in Zeke. Um, there's no reason to really pay Zeke what he thinks that he wants right now. You have Rashad White. And that's the other side of this for me personally. Zeke is declining. He's getting older. Running backs you can find in so many different rounds. Um, so you just had that situation with the Bucs last season. You have Leonard Fournette, but Rashad White seems to be the better running back. You're just limiting the growth of Rashad White with having a veteran in there who's not exactly getting the job done. So they released, um, they released Leonard Fournette, and hopefully he finds a new team. Why would you put the Bucs right back into that situation with a veteran guy, 
a person that has a big persona around him, whether it's on him or not, he's always talked about, there's always that discussion about Ezekiel Elliott. Why are you even going to think about sharing reps with Rashad White when Rashad White can be the guy? Now, if you don't believe in Rashad White, then you might be saying, yeah, bring Ezekiel Elliott in. But I think Rashad White is going to be great this season, and he should be RB1 without any other competition, without any other distractions. It shouldn't be Rashad White versus Ezekiel Elliott this training camp. It should be Rashad White, and then if they draft a running back late in a round this year, if that player uh, somehow you know excites and brings a lot more to the competition, then the more power to you. But let them do that in the draft in a sixth or seventh round where um, it's more of a pleasant surprise than a, okay, we're going to force this this competition. Because you can find running backs in so many different areas. You know, you can get a, a cheap free agent, a, a guy that can come in, that, that's been around the league for a couple of years. It's essentially what they did with Chapman. Again, going to the example, Isaiah Pacheco, the uh, seventh round pick by the Kansas City Chiefs last year. And then he became the top guy for the, the Chiefs by the end of the season. I am more than confident that the, uh, that the Bucks can find that type of situation next year where, or th- this year where still have Rashad White as the guy, but then the other running back provides a little bit of a st- spark. Uh, and, uh, Dave Canales. Uh, I don't think this is the Bucks offensive coordinator, but um, he says side March on Lynch. I would love if the Bucks got marked on Lynch, but uh, only as a locker room presence, you know, not necessarily as a player that's going to contribute to the team. This year, Uh, let's talk a little bit about Chase Edmonds. You know, uh, he comes over from Arizona. He's been in the league since 2018. So the same amount of time as um, as Baker Mayfield. Wow. I thought I thought he was in the league for much longer than that. But apparently not Um, his first year. He's never really been the main guy anywhere. Um, he only has, let's see, 11, 13, 15. He's only had 18 career starts in his four seasons. Um, <clears throat> started his career with the Cardinals from 2018 to 2021. Then last year, he split time with both the Broncos and the Miami Dolphins. As a runner, at 208 yards rookie year and 303, 448, 592. That was the most in his career in uh, 2021 with the Cardinals. And then, and that was when he had the most playing time as a starter. And then um, when he split time with the Broncos and the Dolphins, he had 245 yards total, 125 with the Broncos and then 120 with the Dolphins. Um, in that time, reached the end zone a fair amount. Has uh, 11 career rushing touchdowns. His most came in 2019. He had four touchdowns. As a receiver, similar numbers, 103 and then 105 his first two years. Jumped all the way up to 402 in 2020. So 2020, hands down. And 2020 2021 were like his two best years. Um, 311 receiving yards and then 157 receiving yards last year. He has six career touchdowns. So I think Chase Edmonds, he's not coming in as a threat. I think he's just going to be the veteran guy to help build out this roster when it comes to the Bucs. He's not competing with Rashad White for reps to be the starter. He's just there to help fill out the room, you know? And what I think is what I think is going to be more important is who wins that job for as Pete says, Chase is decent. Um, Rich, I'll get to your question in just a moment. Um, as Jay St. John says, pretty sure Edmonds broke a bunch of records in college. I think Edmonds, if I'm not mistaken to Fordham, 
I gotta look this up. I'm pretty. Yeah, I, I, I think he went to. I could be dead wrong. Chase Edmonds. There's a running back that went to Fordham. I want to look so dumb if he went to a big school. No, he did go to Fordham. All right. All right. Okay. So, yeah, Chase Edmonds, I think he can bring a little something to the team. I don't think he's going to wow everybody. Uh, what I want to know is, is Chase Edmonds or is Keyshawn Vaughn going to win the going to win the running back two competition? I know a lot of people have closed the book on Keyshawn Vaughn. I'm not here to stand on a soapbox and say, Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be a huge element to the Buccaneers this season. All I'll say about Keyshawn Vaughn is he has a little bit of starting experience and he won a playoff game as a starter for the Buccaneers. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles in 2021. Keyshawn Vaughn was the guy. I think he's more than capable and more than fine if he's going to be a running back that gives some time for Rashad White and uh, you know plays a series or two in the first half, a series or two in the second half. I think he will be fine getting the job done there. And then whoever they decide to draft, that guy's going to be in the competition as well. So there are a lot of different uh, factors and scenarios for the Bucs as – Wise one ENT says Chase will win number two. Yeah, feel free to put in who you think is going to win RB2, whether it's Edmonds, Keyshawn Vaughn, or uh, drafting a rookie. So um, that's one aspect of it, whether it's Dave Canales, new offense, more motion, more zone blocking, a lot more pulls and, and misdirection and things of that nature. That's going to be a big factor. Rashad White being the number one running back, fully letting him go, fully letting him be the guy without having to share reps with anyone else. That's going to be a big difference. And then filling out the rest of the running back room, who's going to win that second job. Uh, those are kind of the key points for the running running back game this season. The other huge factor in all of this is the offensive lines. There are a lot of moving parts with the Bucks' offensive line. We're going to get into all of that after we hear a message from our friends over at Age Rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to Age Rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call Age Rejuvenation today. Look better, feel better, have better sex using Age Rejuvenation. They have uh, testosterone therapy, peptide therapy, and stem cell therapy as well. Pictured there on the screen is former Buccaneer tight end John Gilmore. He was a big part of the Pewter Game Day show this season. That's a current picture of John Gilmore. That's not him from when he was playing. Um, he speaks a ton about age rejuvenation, how much it's helped him. Scott Reynolds, pewterreport.com, has done very similar. He feels 10 years younger. He's lost weight because of it. It's helped him out a bunch. So go to agerejuvenation.com, see how it can help you. All right, let's get back to... The conversation, uh, we'll get to some chats by uh, everybody, all the pewter people, as Wise One ENT says, Keyshawn's balance is off. Pete says, Vaughn runs harder than White, neither have game-changing speed. I would say White is able to make people miss a lot more. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's get to Richard says, Matt, Bucks retained Goody and Joe Gilbert. I uh, believe that's who you're looking for. Weren't they part of the problem? I don't necessarily think they were a part of the problem. I mean, I think they should get a lot of credit for when they came in. I mean, they helped this offensive line uh, over the last three years. Um, you know, they and let's remember, they they got Robert Hainsey to become a solid, suitable center and to start on the offensive line for them. Um, 
They've worked with other O-linemen in the past. I mean, maybe they didn't get the best out of Luke Gedeke, but I don't think getting one prospect wrong is necessarily going to to hurt them. I mean, Thad Lewis kept on as well, so there are a couple of offensive coaches that uh, Todd Bowles is a fan of. I think it was more of the play calling and the overall scheme that kind of hurt the Bucs. I don't necessarily think it was, you know, individual coaching performances by Harold Goodwin and, and Joe Gilbert. Um, obviously, Donovan Smith struggled, but they decide to move on from him. And that becomes the big question at left tackle now. What do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers decide to do at left tackle? Uh, I think, obviously, the big one that everybody wants to know is Tristan Wirfs. Now, as far as it pertains to the running game, Wirfs on either side, he's an all-pro tackle. I don't I don't think that makes much of a difference. But we'll talk we'll talk about the the passing game uh for the moment. Left tackle is obviously the most important position on the offensive line because it protects protects the blind side of the quarterback who is throwing. Tristan Wirfs has been on record earlier this season. He said it's the same exact technique and everything like that. It's just kind of like driving a car on the other side of the road. Like if you went to Europe or something like that, that's going to be the big question when it comes to what Tristan Wirfs can do for the Bucks next season. Does he feel comfortable at left tackle? I think the cool thing is he's going to have a lot of time. And the good thing I really should say is that he's going to have plenty of time to make that transition from right tackle to left tackle if that's what Tampa Bay decides to do. And obviously they've talked about it. Jason Light has been on record about it as well, where um, it's something that they definitely are considering. The big thing that we brought up is if you have an A-plus offensive tackle on the right side with Tristan Wirfs, if you move him to the left, how much are you sacrificing from that A-plus player to move him to the left side? If he's a C player, I don't think it's necessarily worth it. If he's a B plus player, <clears throat> excuse me, if he probably is. So it's one of those things you're not really going to know. I mean, you can get an idea of it in, in training camp, especially if he goes up against JTS and we'll see how far along Shaq Barrett is. But until the regular season, you're not really going to know until he's against other opponents. The funny thing is when he got into the league during the COVID season, when there was training camp, but there was no preseason, anything like that. You didn't know what you were going to get until he played his first game and he was awesome and started his future Hall of Fame career. So that is one thing that they can do. Um, the other option, of course, is there are a couple of offensive tackles in this year's draft class. We spoke about some yesterday, but we can kind of Get back into it today. The big ones are Harrison at Ohio State, Broderick Jones out of Georgia, Dewan Jones out of Ohio State, Darnell Wright from Tennessee, and Anton Harrison of Oklahoma. I'll kind of read off some of the profiles of them from uh, – Pro Football Focus, shout out to them. Uh, great analysis. We'll start with Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. Says Harrison saw significant time at left tackle as a true freshman in 2020 before taking over as a full-time starter over the last two seasons. He's incredibly smooth as a pass protector, posting an 86.6 pass blocking grade over the last two years that ranked tied for 10th among Power 5 tackles. Harrison only gave up one knockdown on 425 pass blocking snaps this season. He won't be a people mover in the run game, but he's nearly NFL ready as a pass protector. Uh, some pros about him has tight end like feet and movement skills, never needs to be in a hurry. Already adept at using hands independently in pass protection, seen considerable year on year improvement uh, throughout his career. Some cons, Metacor play strength has to improve to deal with um, NFL power rushers. Oh, sorry. Uh, mediocre. <laughs> I knew I was reading that wrong. 
Uh, hands can get swatted away too easily. Has to fire with a little more gusto. A forklifter in the run game, he could stand to play lower. Now, Scott Reynolds has him going in his uh, mock draft for the Buccaneers this year. I had Darnell Wright going in mine. This would be a situation where he could play the left side. You could also play him on the right side if you want to move Tristan Wirfs to um, the right side. Yeah, Kieran says every mock draft seems to seems to see us taking Darnell Wright at 19. Yeah, I, first of all, I made my mock draft, what was it, two weeks ago, a week ago? So I got ahead of the Darnell Wright hype. I'm kind of the conductor of the Darnell Wright train now. Um, I just think he's got huge size. He's great pass blocking. Could do a little bit better run blocking. But yeah, we put up a mock draft roundup today on pewterreport.com and like almost every single <laughs> every single mock draft had Darnell Wright going to can you, you know earlier on I think people had him as like a fringe first round pick and now um you know he could be the guy that the Bucks end up taking at 19. It'd be really cool to see if that is the case. Let's get to Darnell Wright the uh, overall outlook on him is pros are uh, power personified, tons of experience, uh, held up very well against Will Anderson Jr. Speed against Alabama. His hand usage massively improved this year. Cons are foot speed, well below average by NFL tackle standards. Forward lean leaves him open to push pulls. One year as a plus performer, the tape was nothing special three years prior. Uh, another guy that I'm pretty high on, and I think he's like the new type of fringe first-rounder, late first-round guy, that would be Dewan Jones from Ohio State. A lot of interesting stuff to see from Dewan Jones. Um, he embodies first man off the bus to a T as he's freakishly large at 6'8". 360 pounds and a seven foot six wingspan. Uh, he crushed at the senior bowl. He was one of the top guys. He did so well in individual drills and in group drills, did great pass blocking. I mean, he straight up like smashed people to the ground. You want to talk about pancake blocks? He had a ton of them. He didn't even have to practice the last day at the senior bowl because he did so well there. Um, large human being, the power is in his hands. Uh, he used them so well despite being so long. He's a student of the game. He understands his limitations. The cons are uh, foot speed, balance is shaky, and uh, playing in space is not his thing, but he's likely to too tall for guard, has to operate in tight quarters. The other two offensive tackles that are in the mix in this conversation, I just I don't think they're going to fall to the Bucs. Robert Jones, I was a huge fan of. Uh, again, PFF says he's built like a sequoia tree, thick lower half, a deadening punch and pass protection uh, when well-timed. Uh, plays how an offensive line coach would dream. His cons are inconsistent with his hand placement, uh, has a bad habit of waist bending against speed rushers, and uh, played just a season and a half. So uh, only played 203 true pass sets in college, but... Even in that limited time, you could see how talented he was. And then last, certainly not least, I mean, there's Peter Skaronsky as well. Um, but we're going to focus on Paris Johnson. Some pros and cons about him. Uh, he checked off every box physically you could want at the tackle position. Um, he's an athlete, could have played other sports. You see it when he has to recover a block. Uh, he has a strong frame that still has more room to grow. His feet can get a bit frenetic at times, hard to keep a solid base. He's a two-hand puncher and pass protection makes it difficult to reset when they don't land. Only has one year of experience at tackle, played right guard in 2021. I will say he was a very interesting guy um, at the combine as well. I thought he seemed very comfortable up there. He was able to just do his thing. He was engaging with everybody. He was smiling, kind of laughing at times too. 
Um, interesting guy. I liked him. I just don't think he will really be there. So there's a couple options in the draft that the Bucs want to go early um, in the first round, whether they want to draft the right tackle and move Tristan Wirfs over to the left or keep Wirfs on the right side and draft a left tackle. I'm kind of good either way. I kind of would prefer Wirfs to be on the left side. I just want to see it, all right? I mean, if he's going to be your offensive tackle for years and years to come, um, I truly think that I truly think that Tristan Wirfs should be a left tackle then, you know? Um, so those are just kind of my thoughts when it comes to that situation. If you're thinking of getting an energy drink, you absolutely should be getting a Celsius energy drink, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. You heard me talk about some of the new flavors earlier with the fantasy vibe, the sparkling lemon lime. Can't forget about the vibes, the Arctic peach and tropical vibes, a ton of awesome flavors as well from the Fuji apple pear to the sparkling wildberry, classic orange, sparkling watermelon, a strawberry acai, strawberry lemonade as well. If you want to get the variety pack, because variety is the spice of life, get a peach mango as well, or a cucumber lime. I've been a big fan of that too. If you want to get them in bulk, get the variety pack, because variety is the spice of life. Um, go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save, and have it sent to your house or apartment every week, month, quarterly, or yearly. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. The last thing I want to get into about the topic of the Bucks improving the run game, we talked about the offensive tackles, what uh, what is expected of them or what direction they might go. Um, let's talk about the interior offensive line. Let's remember, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Jensen is back, Okay. Ryan Jensen is your starting center for the 2023 season. That is automatically an upgrade from in the past. And that's not a knock on Ryan Jen, uh, on sorry, on Robert Hainsey at all. I thought Robert Hainsey did a really solid job, as Callie Buck says. Thanks, thank God we needed Jensen back. I thought Robert Hainsey was solid, but now think about the fact. You have Ron Jensen, a perennial pro bowl center, a guy that brings attitude. Can you imagine Ryan Jensen and Baker Mayfield as a tag team? Just the amount of fury <laughs> that they would put into every single match that they had. You get one of your leaders on the offensive line. Tristan Wirfs a leader too, but Ryan Jensen, uh, you know, is, is a longer veteran at this case. And Tristan is a little more fun loving. Ryan Jensen is very much too. But you bring that attitude to the offensive line with Ryan Jensen. That gives Robert Hainsey the opportunity to compete, to be a starter at either guard position, left guard or right guard. With the trade of Shaq Mason, it's all wide open. You obviously have Nick Leverett, um, who, who was a starter last season on the uh, – was it on the right side? Of the, I'm forgetting. My mind's all over the place. But you have you have Nick Leverett back as a starter or at least competing with Aaron Stinney. I'm very high on Aaron Stinney, man. I like, I know, I know that he was hurt for all of last season, but he, you know, he was the starter when they won the Super Bowl. All right. I think we're not giving him enough credit for what he was able to do. So I love the idea of Hainsey, Leverett, Lugetti in the mix as well, Aaron Stinney. I love the idea that you're going to have a battle royal, you know, Four different people competing for that starting job. And if you want to move to get a key to offensive tackle, fine. I'm down with that too. At least commit to it. Then you have a guy who could potentially be your swing tackle and um, more depth to that position. So then you have a three-player race. You could end up drafting another offensive guard. I know Scott Reynolds is very high on Steve Avila. As Emily says, Jensen and Mayfield equals Mafia. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be pretty sweet. Uh, I would like that. But then you add another one into the mix. I really, really like the depth to the Bucks' offensive line this season. So Ryan Jensen coming back, maybe even a better season from Nick Lever. Remember, Lever didn't start until a couple of weeks into the season, starting at uh, left guard when after Luke Gedeke 
got hurt. If you got Gedeke going from the beginning, Leverett on the left side, maybe Hainsey on the right side, whatever it is, or or Stinney, you know, can play both sides as well. I just think you're going to get so much better play up front in the uh, interior offensive line. Tristan Wurst is going to hold it down regardless of if he's playing on the left or right side. And then you kind of have your fingers crossed for the other one. You know, will you get another Tristan Wirfs or will you get another Luke Gedeke? Or maybe Gedeke even takes a step up this year. You can't rule him out either just because he didn't have the best rookie season. Neither did Rondé Barber. I'm not comparing Luke Gedeke to Rondé Barber. That would be absolutely crazy. They would play two completely different positions. But, you know, you can't just completely hold that out just yet. So I think there's a lot of different elements that are going to contribute to the Bucks having a much, much better um, running game going into the 2023 season, which, of course, will help Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield and obviously the passing game as well if you can attack teams in different ways. By the way, if you are a fan of pewterreport.com and you want to follow us and our content in different ways, please feel free to uh, follow us on our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That is all at Pewter Report. And then our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV. We do podcast here four times a week. We also um, we put up various clips, various shorts. Uh, we always try to come up with different content that we think everybody would like. So if you don't mind, please like and subscribe. Tell your friends about Pewter Report TV. We would really appreciate it. Um, that's going to do it for us on tonight's show. Thank you so much to everybody that was watching. As Shaggy says, Rondé, Hall of Fame 23. Let's go. We're going to have another episode tomorrow. I will have a guest with me, so you don't have to deal with me just blabbing the whole time on tomorrow's episode. Uh, we're going to be at 7 o'clock again tomorrow night in prime time. So set your clocks, have your dinner, or watch this and then have dinner like I'm about to do. Uh, but that's going to do it for me tonight on the show thank you everybody for watching we love you all pewter report loves you i love you too thank you to the pewter people we'll see you tomorrow at 7 p.m for another edition of the pewter report podcast later peace out